This week, all New Jerseyans should be celebrating two of our athletic stars, two native daughters who scaled the heights of physical prowess and mental resolve in the ice and fire of midwinter competition. For one, the challenge was pure athleticism. Months, even years, of building muscles, toning body, honing technique. For the other, the field of dreams was more mental, perhaps a sterner, more testing arena than the other. For in her sport, only the most agile of mind and intense of focus carries home the crown of laurels. And who can speak of the dedication of these gladiators? The early mornings, the painful routines, the iron self-denial that silences raw instinct but glories in the fruit of disciplined lives. Galinda and I watched one perform her routine with such grace and joy. It was clear why the judges loved her. Heart. That was her name. And she is the five-year-old black lab from Warren County that won the obedience championship at the Westminster Dog Show on Monday. And if you thought that both of these were surely human athletes powering their way to Olympic glory in Pyeongchang, uh, you're wrong about the other one too. Uh, She was also a New Jersey dog. Fame a border collie from Sparta who won the Agility Championship last Saturday. If you haven't seen a video of her devouring the obstacle course in 29 seconds, you need to visit YouTube when you get home. Hart's owner, Linda Brennan, says of her obedient heart, she reacts wonderfully to this environment. It makes her more excited, but she doesn't lose control. She really sparkles in this particular setting. The obedient heart sparkles in the flame of competition. The obedient heart relishes the cheers of the crowd. The obedient heart trots into the glare of the judge's eyes, suppresses her natural instincts, listens acutely to her mistress and obeys like the champion she is. Today, this first Sunday of Lent, we always tell the story of another obedient heart. One not exposed before an excited crowd, but vulnerable in its loneliness. Not exhilarated by the whoops of entertained spectators, but subdued by the threatening silence. One who received not a trophy of silver and a contract with Purina, but an onslaught of evil, the attraction of sin, but the ministry of angels. I guess you could say there were sparkles as the sun glinted off the sand, but that is about all that the obedient heart of Warren County had in common with the obedient heart of Jesus. His was not a pleasant show, an attractive show, a show any of us would enjoy. Frankly, it's hard to watch. He stands on the top of the temple while his competitor urges him to leap off and win a world of fans. 
He floats in space, surveying all the wealth, power and glory of the nations and imagines owning it all as his rival invites him to bow down and worship him. He sits in the desert while his adversary points at a stone and remarks how like a loaf of bread it seems. And, oh, by the way, was that your stomach I just heard? You must be starving. The show in the desert. It's not pretty, it's not joyful, it's not carefree. It will hurt your feet, it will test your resolve, it will ask deep, painful questions about who you are and who your master is. Showing in the desert will get inside your head and mess with you. You will feel emptiness, you will experience inner conflict, you will succumb to doubt, fear and despair. This is one show you will want to skip, but the invitation is certain and you cannot reject it. Oh, did I mention that like the Iditarod, where dogs leave it all on the snow and keep running until they can almost run no more, this show will last a very long time. Showing in the desert. You might think the place of temptation is where the people throng, where the lights dazzle, where the costumes sparkle, the money talks and the trivia swears. You may assume temptation swaggers around the big city with its pursuit of wealth, its display of vulgarity, its strut of arrogance, its pockets of poverty and enclaves of injustice. We expect temptation to lurk in the casino, to stalk us in the bar, seduce us in the ice cream parlour, assault us in the adult entertainment venue, ensnare us in the mindless gathering of experiences that glint in the neon light but fade to nothing in the dawn, and trap us in the accumulation of objects that excite us in the mall but bore us in our homes. But when Jesus faced his temptations, he went not into the city, but into the desert. He played in his opponent's stadium, and he went alone. No busload of travelling fans, no fans at all except the angelic kind, in the most hostile of away games. The desert is the place where hunger depletes you, where silence deafens you, where death enshrouds you. It's the home of reptiles, the haunt of jackals, the place of demons. In the desert, you go mad. The isolation muddles your mind, the heat plays tricks on your eyes, the silence amplifies the voices in your head. In the desert, on your enemy's territory, you have nowhere to hide, no distractions to amuse you, no company to stimulate you, no, ad- no additives to, to lift you. It's just you, your fears, your insecurities, your frailties, your doubts, your demons. In the desert, no one can hear you scream. There are two times in the Gospels when we read about Jesus being tempted. One is in the desert, the other is in the garden. Both times he's alone, wrestling with God's plans, confronting the lies of the enemy away from human society. 
It should come as no surprise for us that for Jesus the place of temptation is not the city but the wilderness. His love of people meant that he could always find beauty in the metropolis. Wherever there were human beings, he could see God's hand, God's presence, the bearers of God's image. But away from the gorgeous God-bearers that are men, women and children, Jesus was vulnerable to the lies, the human appetites, the enticing thoughts of power, wealth and fame. This is a word to me. It is God's reminder that I'm vulnerable when I'm isolated. When I cut myself off from my community, from the people who love and care for me, then I am less able to tune out the yapping of the dogs in my brain, the whispers of the enemy that remind me of my failures, that persuade me God is mad at me, that convince me that he won't provide for all my needs. So I'd better cut corners, break rules, take matters into my own hands. When I'm isolated, then I feel despair. Then I know the accusations that come not from men and women, but from the enemy of our souls. Then I doubt the love of God and the goodness of his call. When I am isolated, the devil takes a magnifying glass to the challenges in my life and makes them appear bigger than they are, bigger even than God's mercy and the Holy Spirit's gracious strength. Then my life is out of perspective and I want to give up. Now there's a difference between solitude and isolation. One is your friend, the other is your enemy. One your loving handler, the other a cruel taskmaster. In fact, both words have the same root, the S-O-L part. Solitude is a place of grace, a state of being that we embrace for a time in order to reflect, pray, recharge our mental and spiritual batteries. It's an ancient Christian practice, and it is thoroughly good. We'll learn about its friendship on one Wednesday night as part of the No Hair Shirt Required program starting this Wednesday. This is what Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the desert for, 40 days of solitude. It was good, even though it involved facing his enemy, And that is very different from isolation, which is usually harmful. You can be surrounded by people, even living with people, sharing a house with them, even sharing a bed with one of them, and still be isolated. That happens when intimacy and true friendship leave home, when listening and honesty have been evicted. And it is a tragic place to live. The bleak news is that you will show in the desert. You must. Mark tells us that it was the Holy Spirit, God himself, who drove Jesus into the wilderness in order to be tempted. But the bad news is also the good news. Because when you know you are there, and if you can stay alert, are aware of the angels with you, and have an obedient heart... You can be best in show. 
When God leads you into the desert, know that it's going to be okay. Above all, don't forget who you are. Now get ready to run round the show ring, because who you are is God's beloved child. What better way to face our trials and temptations than with the assurance that we are loved infinitely, immeasurably and eternally by God. It's when we feel unlovable that we are prone to make bad decisions. It's when we feel distant from God that we look at other things to make us happy and fulfilled. It's when we doubt that God truly accepts us for who we are that we try to be someone else. Someone perfect, powerful and popular. It's when we believe that God is disappointed in us or demanding impossible standards from us that we seek, to seek comfort in things that we believe will make us feel better about ourselves. We must be loved, we must be admired, we crave respect. And to get it, we will strut, we will polish our personas, project images of likability. We will work too hard so that our employers will think we're skilled and dedicated. We will go out of our way to please people, sometimes even doing things that are harmful to ourselves and to God's plan for our lives. We will avoid saying things that may make others think ill of us. We'll dodge difficult but important conversations. We will spend money we don't have on things we don't want to impress people we don't like. We go looking for God in all the wrong show rings. When we stop believing that God loves us and accepts us for who we are, then we are prone to sins that maybe we wouldn't even be tempted to commit if we had a true grasp of how crazy God is about us. Jesus didn't need to turn stones into bread because he knew he was loved by God. Why did he need to perform magic tricks to prove it? He didn't need to jump off the temple to win everyone's praise. He was loved by God. He didn't need to bow down to the enemy to get power and glory because he knew he was loved by God. Showing in the desert. You know what it's like. It's hot out there under those lights. There are voices. They bark in your head. They deceive you into thinking that you are not God's beloved. You are not God's child. But the desert is the place where Jesus goes. Today, see him stride into that wilderness show ring. Hear the beat of his obedient heart. That heart that bursts with passion for you. Then take his hand and let the magic begin. Amen.